this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. So the Zoom story. So I'm. This is. I got this from like a two paragraph thing that I read, but apparently Zoom was doing something that pissed Apple off. They were in order for the links. I, I think they said in order for the links to work, and I think they're referring to the links that start meetings, like the ones that I send you. Mm-hmm. That the Zoom app was installing a separate uh, internet s- secret internet browser on people's computers. Whoa. And that pissed Apple off because <laughs> they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So Apple pushed out an update that made their shit not work. Basically. And so they had that's why there's an update to the Zoom app because they're like, oh crap, we got caught. I mean how did, <sighs> that's that's that almost makes me not want to use Zoom. Do you have any idea who the parent company for Zoom is? But I mean it's not any worse than Spotify and you still like using Spotify. Yeah, that's true. So, what was the question? Who's the parent company? Yeah, who's the parent company? I Wasn't think, a, isn't it Microsoft? No, I think they, they're independent. I think they're just Zoom. Hmm. I could be wrong, but... Let's oh, let, me, let me turn that off. Hold on. Bells and whistles. Bellsing. Yeah, new Mac. I haven't like shut off anything or changed anything yet, but it's the new MacBook with the USB-C only. So, I had to like wait and get an adapter. Um, oh, test you have the one I have, basically. Yeah, I mean, I love this thing. Don't get me wrong, but the lack of ports is really annoying. So Hopefully, yours is better than mine. Mine is not, nothing but a fucking headache. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obnoxious. I got a, a pretty cool adapter though that incorporates a bunch of stuff that I really like, and it matches the color of the MacBook. So I I, I feel like a spy. <laughs> uh, Zooms from San Jose. How about oh, that? Huh? No I way. Think I knew that. Somebody told me that. I can't remember who told me that. That's kind of cool. I think it might have been. Uh, Daniel Doyen from Readwise when I had him on the show. I think he might have told me that. Either that or... Yeah. Anyway. Dude, I, I so need a, a boom. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You you didn't use the laugh that I used it. Now you understand. Yeah, I totally under, I totally get it now. Yeah, having hands-free recording is the best thing ever. Uh, now if I could just figure out how to like talk into the air. 
That'd be or, even better because I, I love when you marching. Have a boom, that's what it feels like, man. You just put, instead of, some people make the mistake to put the boom in front of them so they're looking at the boom. Mine's off to the side. Like, technically, my mic is pointed at the side of my mouth. Mm. So when I look forward, I don't see the microphone. Interesting. Here, I'll take a picture. Yeah, I'd like to see that set up. Uh, taking a, this is, the, I think, the second episode in a row where I took a picture in the middle of an episode. Yeah, last time was a dog. Let's see. Oh, that's, that's going to be difficult to see. You ever think you were born in the wrong era? Mm, yes, most days. Mm. I mean, granted, I like technology and all that, but oh, that is like the worst picture. <laughs> Let's get some light in here. Uh, all right. Maybe I was born in the right era. I just, I don't know. I, I get the sense that when people say stuff like that, like in my case, for example, I feel like I was, I, I was definitely born in the right era, but not for me. I was built in the right era for me to affect the world. <laughs> but not for my own pleasure. So, well, I would say that you were born in the right area, con- in era, considering you're an Asian American, because it would have sucked ass to be an Asian American at pretty much any other time in history. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Um, me, being a white straight male, pretty much most of history is open and free for me. Pretty good for you. Yeah, sure. Um, granted, it depends on the country, of course. Yeah, sure. But, uh, I don't. I, I think like. I feel like I was born just like maybe a decade or two late. Like, I feel like I should have been an adult in the 70s and 80s mm. instead of being born then and growing up then. So, so tell me why you think that. There was just enough technology to be interesting. It's kind of like I'm, I've been watching the, the newest season of Stranger Things, which mm-hmm. is I'm on the, I'm, tonight I watched the last, final episode. And I still haven't seen any of this season yet. It's fantastic. It's it's it's. I can't say it's been a long time since I watched the first one. I liked the second one, but this one's better than the second one. Yeah, a lot of people I know who watch who watch the show religiously have told me that like this has been the best season so far, and that's saying something. This one is definitely the most horror. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a horror show. But the thing, the why why I bring up that show though is the first season to now. If, if people have. I, probably haven't paid attention to this. I didn't pay attention to this because I was wrapped up in like the nostalgia of the show. But I believe it was the guys on Weird Studies that pointed this out. They did an episode, I think it was two episodes ago. I'll put it in the show notes. I think it was called The, uh, the Demogorgon. I think that's what they called the episode. And they, they discussed... One of the guys had written a paper about Stranger Things after season two. Mm-hmm. And what they talk about in that episode is technology. And how you you're watching the development of technology in that show. There's like in the first season, there's literally like no devices except for those little walkie talkies. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you see a television in the first season. And then the second season, here's the arcade. And now in this one, it's the mall and you see microwaves and you see televisions. There's more and more technology emerging. And when I watch that, that's why I, I feel like I could have, I should have been born before because when I see those, the time in the first season with technology, but it's like this naive technology, like the transistor is still like the king and the microchip is just kind of like coming into its own. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel the most secure and safe. I, I, I'm more, most comfortable with that time period. I don't want to go back to before people 
took bat- bats on a regular basis or flossed their teeth. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I don't want to know what it's like to uh, have sex with somebody who hasn't bathed in two weeks. Oh, geez. Those are just not things that I, I don't want to go back that far back in history, which is not sure. that far back. Yeah, in that's reality. true. Yeah. You go back to I mean, the that's, 20s. That's, that's two or three generations back. Yeah. Yeah. You go back to the 20s, people were sharing bath water because they didn't have a lot of it, mm-hmm. um, which is disgusting to think about. But yeah. I, I, feel I wonder like if it's disgusting just because of perspective of that, though. Yeah. It absolutely is. It wasn't disgusting to them. Yeah, it was sure. clean, clean to yeah. them, right? They're like, I'm getting clean right now. Like, mm, I don't know about that. But I, I guess you know you compare that to people who use like antibacterial soap and all this shit. Like, mm, you think you're getting cleaner, but are you? No, you're not. That's an interesting discussion, though. Like, I think about the things that that define our age. You know what I mean? Even even other things like um, how different. You know, you said it at the top of the show, which is you know it's probably the best time in human history for me to be an Asian American. You know. Well, yeah, you definitely wouldn't want to be one more during World War Two. Yeah, just one, two to three generations ago, and it's a completely different story. And to clarify for people who don't know why I said that. Even though lamb is not Japanese, <laughs> the stupid people in America during World War II didn't know the difference between oh, Japanese yeah. and non-Japanese Asian Americans. Yeah, so, all Asians got in, interned. Doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to send you this picture now so you can kind of see. It's hard because the microphone doesn't stand out very much in the background, but you'll get the gist of how I have this set up. And sometimes, like right now, I'm turned a little bit more towards the mic, but I don't have to. It picks up my voice either way. You know, uh, I'm multitasking right now, so this is terrible, terrible, terrible time to be recording me. Okay, sent back, back from multitasking. Weird, weird because, oh man, I totally. We we always forget in human history that we've been in that we've had internment camps in this country. Oh yeah, I I, I feel like um, shit, what was the name of the book? It's a pretty good picture of you, by the way. That's a pretty bald picture of me. <laughs> Um, I forget what the name of the book is. Oh, Farewell to Manzanar. Have you read that book? No, I I, I feel bad for not having read it though because I'm told that I should. It's about the internment camps. Um, I can't remember the girl's name who wrote it. I I think it was actually her and her husband. But it is about the internment camps. It's, It's a fictionalized account, but not really because I'm pretty sure that everybody in there has the name of her family. So maybe actually, maybe it's not a fictionalized account. I'm I'm pulling that out of my ass right now. But it's a book that I feel like every American should have to read in school. The reason that they don't have us read it in school because they don't want us to remember. I mean, we talk about how, how horrible it is that China, people in China are unaware of the fact that Tiananmen Square happened because it's mm-hmm. removed from the history books. Sure. We've done the same thing with, with internment camps during World War II. Um, Janine... Wakatsuki, Houston. Yeah, and James D. Houston. So it's it's her grandfather. Wait, no, her father, I believe. Anyways, read the book. <laughs> Everybody, even as adults, it's 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 an easy read. Everybody should read it. It came out in 1973. It's it's a fantastic book. Makes me think of one of the easiest and most horrifying reads um, that that probably most of us had at some point in our high school tenures, which is Night by Eli Wiesel. I didn't have to read that. I wish I had because we didn't read a lot of Holocaust stuff for some reason. I don't know why. I definitely did enough research on that on my own and uh, was experienced or 
was exposed to it during college, but in high school, we didn't really, not as much. I mean, we were, we got to really generalize everything, a little bit of everything. We didn't really focus on anything too much. Sure. Now that I look back at it, which is probably good, but yeah, I wish we had read Night because that's probably one of the best World War II novels. Oh my God. It's, it's brutal and amazing and ridiculously short and it's only like 110 pages or something like that but it's such a a poignant and brutal story if i remember correctly it's part of a trilogy yeah it is um i think it's uh, night morning and dawn that i don't remember right. it's, it's something like that yeah but yeah it was a brilliant piece of writing and it was at the time i mean i remember how i remember how brutal it was to because i'd never been exposed to holocaust literature prior to that you know of course after that you read the diary of man frank and a couple of other things that kind of shed more obvious light on it but it's really weird we didn't have to read that either isn't that weird that is weird and that, there's certain things where i hear everybody's like oh we all had to read this and i'm like i didn't have to read that and it wasn't does diary van frank never had to read that night we never had to read that there's one other one that everybody throws out and i'm like we didn't have to read that either you know we read everything else you know like romeo and juliet and uh king lear Obviously, a lot of Shakespeare, if I keep going. Uh, Lord of the Flies, Catcher in the Rye. You know, most of that stuff, To Kill a Mockingbird, of course. Sure. I think those three are like the three big ones. But there's one other, and I'm not going to remember it right now, but almost everybody talks about it. And I'm, even as an adult, I'm like, I still haven't read that. You know what? Actually, I take it back. I have read it now because I remember what it was. 1984. Huh. No way. I didn't read that until eight months, six months ago. That's really surprising. I'd seen the movie, but I'd never read the book. We read Animal Farm, though. See, I didn't read Animal Farm. I wonder if it's up to the teacher. It definitely is. There's there's certain things, you know, like the Odyssey, everybody has to read that. I think that's at least in California. I can't make a statement for every state educational system, but in California, you're required to read the Odyssey. And I think you're required to read one Shakespeare, mm-hmm. which almost always is Romeo and Juliet just because it's the easiest. Yeah, it is and it isn't though, because the themes are pretty complex in it. You know what I mean? Right. But from a school board standpoint, they're like, oh, it's about teenagers and these are teenagers. Therefore, it's easier than... It's way easier than King Lear. Oh, we'll true. put it that yeah, way. That's true. There's no way a teenager is going to get what's going on in King Lear. Um, there's always exceptions, of course. There's some fucking smart teenagers. I was not one of them. Or at the very least, we were smart in very different ways. I feel like I wasn't an idiot of a teenager. Like I understood most of what was going on. This part of the reason why I think Romeo and Juliet is is such a weird one because it's fairly brutal, more so than some of the other ones. Well, I guess Shakespeare just kind of in general is brutal, but um, especially tragedies. Really maudlin, mm-hmm. you know? like it's so exaggerated. Yeah, sure. Dramatic, you know, like it's it's such perfect for teenagers. We're like, oh, the world is so yeah, the, hard. The, the woe is me feeling. Yeah, sure. That's angst, right? Yeah, yeah. The world is against us. Whereas King Lear is just like, I'm getting old and this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Only one person really cares whether I live or die. Damn. Yeah, maybe we should have reading lists as adults, you know, things that we can relate to. It's funny that you say that because we have a reading list on the Random Badassery site now. Yeah, that's true. Recommends all the books that we keep bringing up over and over again. I w- I've forgot to mention that in this episode, so good thing you said that. I'll put a link to that. Everybody go check it out. 
Um, I have a couple recommendations real quick. These are not uh, media recommendations. These are kind of uh, health recommendations. Uh, one, they're really simple. They're short. If you're going to eat something with a lot of carbohydrates, like, for example, I just had pizza about 45 minutes ago. And if you're especially if you're somebody like me who is pre-diabetic, where your sugar levels will just shoot through the roof when you eat high-carb things, you can do two things to kind of uh, prepare yourself for that and to mitigate it. First of all, you can have a little bit of apple cider vinegar right before you start. Some For some people, that's enough. That's not enough for me to regulate the blood sugar. I'm not positive how that works, but it has something to do with regulating your blood sugar to keep it from spiking from the carbohydrates. But the other thing that I find is if I make a beverage of some sort, and I don't mean alcoholic beverage, just a normal beverage, and I put some fiber in it, you know, like Metamucil or Metafiber. Yeah. If you drink that at the time or after or before you've had the carbohydrate, it allows the sugars to hopefully bind with the fiber. Oh, interesting. Which is why you don't get spikes from a lot of fruit because it's bound with fiber. So that that's one recommendation. And then the second thing is I've been... I don't remember who told who told me about this. And God, I said that like I was there. What podcast I was listening to is probably what I should say. But they talked about heart rate variability. You know what heart rate variability is, Lim? I have no idea. So we talk about our heart rate, you know, like, oh, it's at 97. Anybody that has an Apple Watch that has sat and watched their heart rate on the Apple Watch for more than a minute notices that it moves around a lot. It's like 97, 98, 101. 96. It just keeps moving. That's heart rate variability because our heart rate is variable. It's not a constant. So it variates. When we talk about it in the terms of heart rate variability, um, it has a lot to do with our breathing. So the number one, the, the higher your heart rate variability is, means the stronger your heart is. The more variability that your heart can tolerate, the stronger your heart is. So like somebody who has like a 10 variability on heart rate is probably not doing too well healthy. They're probably not getting a lot of exercise. They're probably overweight. Whereas I just heard something with an athlete who had like 130. Oh, shit. That's really, really high. That's like an extreme, extreme athlete. (laughs) What we should all be aiming for is like, I think 40 or or above, of course. Anything above. Sweet Jesus. That's really high. 110? 130. 130. Wow. That's shocking. Yeah, it's insane. But that's like this is like an uh, he's a doctor and a and a endurance athlete. So mm-hmm. you know he's like the guy that's eating all the right food all the time, probably. But uh, back to why I'm bringing this up is where you'll notice the heart rate variability is when you're breathing. When you breathe in and when you breathe out, your heart rate is a different rate mm-hmm. because your breath and the oxygen you're taking in affects the heart rate. So one way that you can help to increase your heart rate variability is to breathe out for four or breathe in for four seconds. Make sure you breathe with your stomach and not your chest, and then breathe out for eight seconds. Mm. So you're doubling the length of the exhale from the inhale, and this increases your heart rate variability. But what also it does is it actually will release endorphins if you do it for more than a minute, and it is 
literally, I, I've you know, I've gone through anxiety and panic and all of that stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. And I've done all kinds of breathing exercises. This is the only one that I've noticed a physiological response from. Interesting. Like, because sometimes I'll I'll get up and uh, because of my anxiety path, sometimes when I get out walking and my heart rate starts to go up because I'm exercising, it's going up in a good way. My body gets a little nervous because it's used to heart rate going up being a scary thing. So mm-hmm. there's this conditioned response. And if I just go into that breathing for like a minute, the nervousness disappears. Oh, crazy. It's fantastic. It's such an easy trick. And what I've been, it's, so it, it will increase your heart rate variability over time as well, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. If you have the Apple Watch, you can go into the health, health app and look at heart rate variability. And I can see mine. It's been in, it's been going up. I'm still only at like 23 right now, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't because of the shoulder thing. I haven't been boxing. Once I go back to boxing, it's going to shoot up even more because I do interval training with the boxing. Sure, and that also increases heart rate variability. So those are my two recommendations: ways to do things better. Dun dun dun. Play the play the music from the Parquet commercial. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Parquet. Yeah. Parquet. Parquet. <laughs> oh man, I was. I was no, nobody about, listening was probably alive when that happened. Well, I, I forget the, the. There's certain other things too, right? Like the the pearl cream. Remember that the pearl cream. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many of those random. Like, where's the beef? Like, where oh, where where have all the jingles gone? Yeah, I know. Everything. You know what it is. Everything. I feel like commercials got shitty. Well, commercials got less memorable when they changed the rule where you could use recorded musicians music you know like bands like we have like polaroid had uh that cure song in it the stones being in a commercial led zeppelin being in a fucking cadillac commercial when they all had to come up with their own jingles and stuff it was so much more fun Mm. they were ridiculous just the most ridiculous you know there was the local ones that if anybody is listening that wasn't in san jose in the Bay Area, you probably won't know this one, but I'm the credit man. Remember that? I don't actually. You don't remember Paul? No. From the Diamond Center? Oh, yeah. Well, it, he would drive around in that Cadillac. He's, I'm the credit man. Da, 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 da. Oh, man. Yeah, I actually do remember. Yeah, that, that cheesy stash, kind of like yeah, Hopper that, that and Stranger Things. So, yeah, and he's he looked so dirty. <laughs> mm-hmm. The curly hair and like the members grave members only jacket. Mm-hmm. I would totally wear that jacket. I feel like he had a toothpick too. Likely the sunglasses. Was he in a convertible? Yeah, I think it was like a convertible Beamer. Mm. Or Mer- no, convertible Mercedes. That seems right. Yeah, like a silver Mercedes. There was a lot of those commercials though, so I might just be remembering one. Yeah, they might just be blending together in your head. Yeah, I feel like that would be if somebody made like a, somebody probably has a montage of all those type of things on YouTube, I would probably be the person who would sit there and watch it for like an hour. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, I'd watch it. This. Or like even, um, I remember, for some reason, I remember the, the, the like the, the Alaska Airlines commercials, dun, 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 and like they were really <laughs> very jingly. Um or what we would what would we think of as jingles? Um, yeah, there's a lot of brilliant stuff during that era. 
But that was also the era in which a guy like John Williams was crafting memorable and unique music that that defines... I mean, I love Hans Zimmer, don't get me wrong, and a lot of the modern composers are really cool. Um, but there's something about that era and John Williams and the epic music that came from that era that was really unique. I don't remember... I think I was watching the Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. The Oh, yeah. The hell directed that? Um, Brian uh, Singer. I, I actually really liked that one. Everybody hated it, and I actually really liked it. This was a while ago, but you know they bring in the John Williams theme in that movie, mm-hmm. and it was probably the first time as an adult I had heard like the full Superman theme, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, "Fuck, this is this is as good as the stuff he did for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It is as good because it's so epic and so he just he, the guy knew how to use a fugal horn." That is the first time in my entire life I've heard that fucking sentence. Uh, it really brought the room together, that fugal horn. Oh, damn fugal horn. Who knew? Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. We need like a we need like a gong or like a bell, like bing. You know, I there are certain there are certain musical scores that that I I in in modern time that are really amazing though that i've kind of not really been keeping track of but like i noticed them because they're so rare now you know mm. like if you watch any of the um the godzilla movies the new ones um the scores are amazing i mean regardless of how you might feel about the movies i think they're okay um but the scores are incredible and and you know, like Westworld, for example, and the, and sure, that's adapting a lot of like 90s and alternative classics and stuff like that and turning them into saloon hits. You know what I mean? Um, like, I, I think probably one of my favorite adaptations of a piece of music is the um, piano version of Heart Shaped Box that they made for the show. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. It's really, really good. I've, I'm that painted black version or adaptation was excellent too. That was, yeah, amazing. absolutely. Yeah. And then they did the first thing I'd ever seen of that show was just a clip with that song. And I was they did um, Cash Rules Everything Around Me by the Wu Tang Clan in (laughs) feudal in feudal Japanese, and it was so good, incredible. Yeah, it's just I I love that kind of stuff. But I'm but I'm I'm a sucker for unique covers, though. That's kind of a thing. Yeah, me too. I hate when the cover is identical to the original. I'm like, why Mm -hmm. waste the time? Yeah, then just listen to the original. Mess with it. That's the point. Mm, You reminded me of something, and I forgot. Oh, well. Modern music... Well, there goes that. Oh, you know what? 12 Years a Slave. The score for 12 Years a Slave. Well, that's one of those ones that pay, most people probably didn't pay attention to. Sure. But there's a lot of interesting things going on in that movie. Like, for example, almost every time... Uh, you've seen that movie, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't remember it much. I feel, I feel... I kind of watched it in passing. So Benedict Cumberbatch plays a preacher named something Ford. And every time he is preaching, because he's he's like a, he's a racist piece of shit, right? Yep. Hides behind religion. But every time he's preaching, they play like a slave song, um, or what I assume is a slave song. And most of these songs have the N-word in them. And so it's like they're using that as a juxtaposition to show the hypocrisy of him. Because here he is preaching the Bible uh, and preaching equality. And then, you know, but he's a racist piece of shit. So they're playing these songs underneath it. But then there's there's a part where Solomon, the main character, is to be hung. 
and he's hanging. He just doesn't end up dying. And there is this sound in the soundtrack because it's 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 kind of like um like Sergio Leone's. I mean, not Sergio Leone. I mean, they are his movies, but Ennio Morricone. Enzio Marconi, who's my literally one of my favorites. Yep, carry on. Um, Ennio, though, no, no Z. Um, and his music comes from abstract art and abstract music, actually. Mm-hmm. That's why it, the pace of the songs change and why he works the whistle and the gun and all that. Well, the guy who did this was obviously influenced him because there's just so much dissonance in the 12 Years of Slave soundtrack. But the moment when Solomon's being hung, there is this metallic noise that is probably one of the most sinister things you would ever hear in any film. Mm. It's just, it just sounds like metal being dragged against metal. Ooh. It's and amplified. So oh, that, that's cool. That's one that I probably would go back and listen to outside of the movie. Yeah, 12 Years a Slave is a great example of a movie that you cannot watch on a small device. Mm-mm. Because I watched that on a plane and on one of those tiny little screens with crappy sound. And I imagine my experience was not even close to complete. I feel like the only movie you should be watching on a small device, which actually I I watch none. I've never seen a movie on a phone. But if you're going to do that, cartoons or comedies, Mm. like cheap throwaway comedies that you won't remember in a year. Because then the cinematography doesn't matter. None of that shit matters. And cartoons, who cares? Cartoons are fun. I would totally watch Scooby-Doo on my phone. I don't care. You know, I was not a huge fan of Scooby-Doo. I love Tom and Jerry, though. Scooby-Doo was the... It was it's a repeated formula over and over again, but somehow it was the best. I don't know why. Well, sometimes you just find the thing that makes sense to you, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say about commercials, too. You know, like, the reason we remember this shit is just the way the weirdness of the brain. Mm-hmm. You know, you just happen to catch that little child brain at the right moment when it's, you know, because we're kids, our brains are all over the place. Yeah. The reason we remember things is it just happened to be the moment that we were paying attention. Sure. Like that. I remember I did this with somebody not too long ago, a couple of years ago. We were talking about a PBS show. And those PBS shows from when I was a kid, and yeah, you probably were born. You're only, what, two years younger than me? Yep. Um, these were very early on, so you might have still been maybe uh, not watching or remembering this stuff because you were a lot. Little, that two years is a big difference. At you know when I'm four, sure, 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 <laughs> in, in year two. But uh, there was this show, and I probably saw it when I was four or five, and I remember it, and I remember telling somebody about it, and then it might have been Eric Victorino, and their eyes growing as they realized they knew what I was talking about. Huh. And, it was, and it wasn't back in those days, those shows were not long run shows. Most of those shows got one season, maybe two. And there weren't a lot of reruns. So if you remember this stuff, it's, it's actually almost miraculous. And it was this show about a department store at night with a mouse that wore this like plaid beret, a mannequin that came to life, and this uh, puppet, this old old dude as a puppet who had a bushy mustache. That's all I knew. And in like 10 minutes, I was able to find it on the internet and watch an episode of it and remember the theme song. What the hell show is that? It's called Today's Special, I think. Or was called. I shouldn't say it's not current. 
Today's special, I think. Yep. I, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, that, that's why I'm saying that two-year age difference might make a huge difference. Because we are talking, let's just say, oh, shit. Six years that was on. Okay. 81 to 87. Hmm. And it was Canadian, but we got it here on our PBS. But I, I watched it and I could remember it to the point where I was watching something I hadn't seen in 30 plus years mm-hmm. for, and listening to it and singing the words. How's that? That's so random. That's so weird, right? That's the, that's the magic of the human brain. Well, I feel like there are certain things like that too. Like I, I have a weirdly good memory for specific things that triggered certain aspects of my childhood. Like there's, um, do you remember Danger Mouse? Of course. Maybe yeah, I, I was obsessed with that show. Um, and there's a big part of me that, that I don't know, is weirdly connected to it. Um, and that was, and was on like the shittier public access channels. That was mm-hmm. on like uh, 48 or something like that. Yeah, 36 actually, I think. No, 36 wasn't public access. Okay. Yeah, it was on some kind because it was an um, English show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was obsessed with Danger Mouse. I think a lot of my, my current aesthetic and, and like a lot of my sensibilities from that era comes from that specific show. That was a big show for me. And they also played a show on that same channel called Zoobly Zoo, mm-hmm. which was adults dressed as animals and Ben Vereen. Remember Ben Vereen? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. That, that was him. Um, but yeah, the, that show I, in this house where I am, I remember watching that show 30 feet away from where I am right now on one of those big TVs that would look like, you know, when the TVs were inside of wood, mm-hmm. you know, when the TV was like a piece of furniture. Yeah. I remember watching it on that and then adjusting the antenna, adjusting the antenna so that I could watch Danger Mouse. Um, here, let's see if you can, if you can hear this. This is the song. See if it rings any bells for you. Oh, totally. Dude, that is so random. How weird is that? I swear I haven't thought of that in like 35 years. It's crazy. And that's, that's not so even crazy. that's not even the hook song. Mm-hmm. That's just like the intro. Yeah, what's funny is I remember the theme song, but I don't remember anything else. I'm going to send you the link and you can watch the thing. Obviously not right this second, but... Um, have we, have we, has this show turned into a, we're just going to, you know, share shit from our childhoods? At least in the beginning. I want to get this main hook. Here it is. Oh my God. Uh, okay. Uh, no, just for the beginning, I, th- I feel like... I feel like the the warm up section of the podcast is kind of a chat. I was actually you bring me into something. I was talking about this with Tom on Monday. I had this idea where I was thinking about like all these I'm sorry if I, this is going to be weird getting this out because I've already at least as far as the audience knows, I've already talked about this. So I'm going to try to find a way to talk about this in a way that's not completely repetitive for them. I have this idea of all these notes that I take, right? Well, if they're facts and interesting facts, you know, like uh, trivia type stuff, mm-hmm. that's what goes in the news in my newsletter. That's what I put out in the newsletter. But then I have all the other ones that are like concepts. 
and stuff that we talk about, even the stuff that we've talked about in the show, like the last episode you and I did about intent and the importance of intent. Well, that's, mm-hmm. an, that's a concept. That's an idea, right? Uh, the, the defining line of what intent, the difference between intent and, uh, you know, like uh, saying a word purposefully and not saying a word purposefully. And so taking those ideas and, and finding a way that, because, you know, like I think like this, I'm always like, I have a researcher brain and I'm always looking things up, taking those things and trying to find something to do with that part of my brain. And finding, with all of those ideas collected, finding a through line, which I, I found a through line to do something that connects everything for me, but makes everything, um, gives everything new life, we'll say. So I've got these things on index cards, these ideas. And okay, what am I going to do with them? They're just sitting on index cards. Not all of them are index cards. Take those ideas, concepts, and bring him into the bring him into an episode with Tom, and talk about it with Tom, and see what Tom thinks about that idea. What does yeah. Tom think about it? Because I'm thinking I've already thought about it for myself. Probably, it's going to force me to articulate it because I'm saying it. You know, like I haven't said it out loud yet, so I'm going to stumble my way into some things. Like we talked about last time, also that conversation is a journey. I'm going to find things about what I think by talking to Tom about it, and I'm going to learn stuff from Tom and get a different perspective. And then take that same concept and bring it into the episode with you and find out what you think about it. Huh. And what I bring in will be different with you than what I brought in with Tom because now my, my perceptions will be changed by what I discovered and by what he shared with me and what, what his ideas were. And then take basically take that idea and imagine it as an index card. Now, you put it into a document. And that's at the top. And underneath it is everything that comes out of both of those episodes. Now you're starting to flesh something out. Now you take that... I shouldn't say you. Now I take that and I, I let it sit for a while. And I you know, move on to the next one. Every, every, every week is a different idea, right? Sure. Then after I've stewed on it and I feel like I want to dig in, I dig in, I find one. And I do a solo episode on my Patreon to try to flesh out over time what I've learned about this concept and what I think about this concept. Then I let that stew for a while. And then at some point I take that episode and try to flesh that into an article and I publish that on the medium. So in the process of putting out the episode on Patreon, I would assume that I'm probably going to get some input from my patrons, which could change and alter the idea. And then when I put it on medium, I'm going to get people's opinions and change and alter. But every time that I have to move it to a new form, I'm forcing myself to understand it more and more and to articulate it in different ways. First, I'm articulating it just as an idea on a piece of paper. Then I'm articulating it as part of a conversation with one person. Then articulating it as a conversation with another person. Then having to articulate it myself in words, spoken words. Then having to articulate it into writing. And then after I've done all of that, and I've done all of that with many, many, many concepts over many, many episodes of this show. I might start seeing some kind of theme for certain mm-hmm. ones. Interesting. And if they group into certain themes, then I can take that and make it into a book. Like A Field Guide to Getting Lost by Rebecca Solnit. Sure. Which is around the theme of getting lost. So what I want to do is 
we have the rough edges of the episodes, which is the random parts, you know, where we talk about the weird shit that we just talked about. And then at the end, we have our, for you and I, we have our challenges and we talk about that and our uh, Patreon and all of that stuff. And then for Tom, we have the questions that him and I do. But the tent pole, the thing that, the, the thing that we can wander off into tangents about, but still have something to return to is that idea or whatever concept that I bring into the episode. So like, for example, when Tom and I talked about what I'm going to talk to you about today, we went into like five or six different directions, but we kept going back to the main idea. And I was, one of the things I told him about that, that I, I really enjoyed about that, it was, it reminded me of when you and I were doing the paranormal stuff mm-hmm. more often that we would go with those for as long in them as as long as we could until like we ran out of steam on it, and then having another idea was always really nice because we'd hit that like lull mm-hmm. where we'd finished and be like, okay, so the next thing there's always that thing to sweep it up, but instead of having many 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 things, we go off on tangents and then we hit that dead spot. We can always go back to the tent pole idea. Okay, so back to intent, which we didn't know it, but that's. Exactly what we did in our last episode. Huh. We we wandered off into one area and then we go back to intent. And we so wander we, back to So we naturally are, are evolving into that format anyway, whether we like it or not. That's honestly that's where the idea came from. It was an idea of wanting to change the show because I don't want to change the show. Sure. It was a matter of looking at the way that the show functioned and going, Oh, I can utilize this to do something bigger. Mm. And I thought that that would be a lot of fun to be able to actually watch people be able to be able to watch an idea grow. You know, because also like I've been reading Ray Dalio's book, Principles. And one of the things that he talks about in there is the idea of triangulation. There's Without having to go into his full story, he was diagnosed with some, uh, I think it was a blood disorder or something like that, that was going to kill him in like six months or something like that. So this, this doctor... One doctor recommended one thing. I can't remember what the first doctor recommended. So he went and got a second opinion. And that doctor said, well, oh, the first doctor said he was going to die. That's what it was. You're going to die. The second doctor said, no, you're not going to die, but we're going to have to take your intestines and connect it to your esophagus. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Then he went to a third doctor and he went to the third doctor and they did tests and found out they they did a biopsy and they found out that he didn't even have the thing that they, they thought he had. Oh my God. So he said, and it's not because any of those doctors were bad. It's just because that's the way it looked to them. So he, his principle is to always triangulate, try to get three, three opinions on everything. Mm. Three trusted and valued opinions, not random opinions. So I was thinking, I'm like, one is you, two is Tom. And then even, I can even bring it up if I have a guest. You know, if it fits the guest, I could get a triangulation on ideas. Kind of, kind of crazy idea, isn't it? Well, plus I like the idea of you then putting it all together in the end. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I like the idea of, of looping them all back and creating um, some kind of through line that makes sense through the the conception of the idea all the way through to the very very end, which is the conclusions. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how it develops. You know, obviously it's an idea. Who knows? Maybe the only way it's ever going to work is just in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe the writing it an article thing never ends up working. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Sure, but I, I like the, I, I like the I like the idea of the idea. The you know idea I mean? of the idea. 
like the idea of, of solidifying the ideas that way. Yeah. I like, I like, it's like, uh, taking things on a test run, mm-hmm. you, you don't, or rough drafts, right? You don't just do one draft. Yeah. You do many, many drafts. And that's one of the things I mentioned in the episode with Tom is I feel like there's a lot of writing out there that people go through the rough draft and then they publish. Mm-hmm. And then when they publish and it's exposed to the public, they take offense to the comments that they get because what they assume they've published is a final version. But it's only another step. Sure. And I, it's kind of like what Amanda Palmer does on her Patreon. Well, she'll put up like, uh, rough, not rough drafts, but you know, like uh, demos of songs or, and expose the audience to those. But that's not done because then she's going to take what she learns from that and build the song up more and build Mm -hmm. a song up more. And then she's going to produce it and put it on an album that she puts for sale. So it's a way to strengthen something, but it's also a way to, instead of that final product being the only important step, it's a way to make every step along the process important because the podcast becomes more interesting because even though there's all these other random things, there's people will know at least that, oh, this is the one that's about that one topic. Sure even though it's about all those other things too, you know, today's special, this episode, it's, it's somebody's going to remember today's special from it. But the main thing that they'll probably remember is the main topic that we're going to talk about. It's funny. I, I hear the wraparound voice from uh, last week. This week on Random Madassery. <laughs> um, we you know, discussed Chad's toenails. I don't know why that just popped into my head as we were talking about this because it feels like it feels like it can become episodic, but the weird part about it is it's episodic in different places. So there's now a succession of episodes that don't live in the same medium that are telling the story. That's right. Fascinating. Well, what's also really cool about it too is if you if you think about it in the sense of uh, we'll, we'll use the example of that intent idea again. Just because you and I talked about that for an hour, and we'll say I also talked about it or. Uh, for Tom for an hour. Then we'll assume the other hour of the show is random stuff. Just because we talked about that for an hour with both all three of us doesn't mean we've mined that idea fully. So some of those ideas might need to sit and they might come back again. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because something might happen that we change our perspective. You know, like, um, who knows? If, if it's something about... Uh, intent and something happens in the news that I go, whoa that's a different way that I can see intent that I didn't see before. And it might come back in again. So we might be able to get to dig into it again and again. It's really fascinating to take ideas and use them as play structures instead of as, um, well, as weapons, which I think they get used as a lot. Things to wield against others. Where's that from? Words as, words as weapons is, is from somewhere. It's probably been used many, many times. Yeah, but there's a, like a specific album or something like that that I'm thinking of that I really liked, actually. Mm, uh, I don't know. I'll find it somewhere. I'll find it and post it somewhere. Oh, first action item. First action item. Good. We, we're, starting to, we're starting to recognize them in the episode. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Words as weapons. Okay. Um, so, along those lines, the topic that I talked to Tom about on Monday... You see, this is perfect because I know that with your busy time, you don't get the time to hear Tom's episodes before you come in. Mm-hmm. And he definitely doesn't get to hear yours because I record with him like 
less than 12 hours after your episode comes out. <laughs> so what this is going to be really interesting for you and I, because this is something we used to talk about all the time. We go back to the old days. When we, were, <laughs> when we were using fucking earbuds to record Back when we were stuff. using bullshit and plugging shit into our phones. You know, you're starting to sound like Terrence and Philip. I, a little bit, yeah. I'm starting to feel that. I'm, it, like it's creeping. It's you're such an asshole. Creepy. You're such an asshole. Uh, inf- personal information management or personal knowledge management. That's. Do you remember that? No. So we might not have used the term back then, but it's back when we used to talk about OneNote, Apple Notes, Evernote. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, we didn't use, at least that's not the term of it that I recognize, but I, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, so taking... The reason I brought it up is because um, I was going through this process of having these ideas. that, Like I said, a lot of them are actually on index cards. But I needed to be able to put them in a place where I could search them. And the reason search is super important in this context is I don't have the time to continually read every index card that I have to find everything that fits on one topic. Mm. You know, for example, I think I used Alien as an example with Tom. I'll use it with you. If I want to find all... I want to have this idea about aliens or something. Maybe it's about how ancient aliens definitely used ramps to build, you know... Uh, I'm sorry, not the ancient aliens, but the the ancient Egyptians used ramps to build the pyramids. So that's a big fuck you to the ancient aliens theory. Mm-hmm. So I want to find all of the notes that have to do with aliens or Egypt. I don't have time to read all the index cards. Just <laughs> I just don't, right? Sure. Not, I can do it once, but not every single time I have an idea. So I need to be able to go into something and type in alien and see everything that comes up and go, that's what I want to read. That's, that one helps. That one helps. That one helps. Mm-hmm. Type in Egypt. That one helps. That one helps. And collect all of that so that I could bring that into the episode as things to bring up to spur the conversation and, to, um, and anything that doesn't make it into the conversations can still be used in the other versions of the draft going forward. You know, So I was playing with our two old um, frenemies, Evernote and Divinthink. Mm. And just getting so frustrated because I couldn't find something that did very simple things that I needed to do. And so Tom and I talked about a lot of stuff. And one of the things that he brought up was something that you and I have definitely talked about before, desirable difficulty. Mm-hmm. That making it too easy and trying to find the thing that does all of the things that I thought I needed to do might actually be detrimental to that process. Sure. So um, I'm going to throw in a third app in there. I've been I have I've been playing around, and I've come up with some feelings <laughs> using these apps. The third app I'm going to throw in there is a possibility of Scrivener. So, um, do you have any thoughts or feelings about those three programs for anything that I've said so far? Huh, trying to loop that all together. I can give you something more tangible if you need. Yeah, give me a little more tangibility than that. Like telling me or asking me what I think about all these things is, I mean, that's that's an entire episode. Okay, maybe let me frame the question like this. If you were trying to do what I'm doing, the way that I've just described it, if you were going to take small snippets of thought, concepts, we'll call them, 
and put them somewhere that you wanted to be able to search them, but in a way that you could also group them or pull them together to, you know, to use in the way that I'm talking about. And then you might want to add notes to that. You know, so if, if th- this idea you have, well, after you talk about it with, well, after I talk about it with, with you, I'm going to have ideas that I didn't have before. I need to add that to the note. Um, so what would you, if you were just, if that's all you knew and you were just going to go into it, how would you approach that? If it were me, because my brain thinks in narratives, I would begin to construct a narrative. Um, so I would write it my brain thinks best in script form. So I would probably use Scrivener. So when you say a narrative, what, so there's how a do you story, build a narrative so around a concept? So there's a story here, right? Like there's with every concept, especially with what we're talking about, there's a goal to be desired. Um, there's something that you're trying to achieve. Um, like in this particular case, for example, the end result is an article that summarizes the core of the ideas, the journey that the the idea itself has taken through the various filters that it's gone through, whether it's people or whether it's conversation um, or, or in the episodes themselves or things that you read. Um, there's an end, there's an end result here. And sometimes telling the story along the way helps you to understand what the narrative is supposed to be. Like I, it, it would always, in my brain, it would always live as a, this is the starting point or this is the challenge. This is the introduction into the story. And then there's, at some point, there's a point of no return. So I would go full Joseph Campbell on it. Um, you know, there's a point of no return, like an untr- introduction of the hero, point of no return. And at one point or another, you reach a point in the concept or the idea where the conclusion of that concept or idea leads to an epiphany that changes a course of action that adds either a tool or a methodology into what you do on a daily basis that fundamentally changes who you are and how you do things. So I would start with the concept, like the core idea of the concept, and then I would end with the conclusion of why that concept has evolved into what it is and how it serves in your life or whether it does or it doesn't. Like there are times where, you know, the, 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 the hero fails, you know, like the, the, the idea itself fails and that then becomes um, a conclusion in end of itself. Hmm. I definitely, that's, that's really interesting. I have to think about that. Because I, I like to think of things in terms of narratives. I mean, that's how my entire day is to be honest with you with almost everything that I do. I always think of everything in terms of a story. Yeah, see, that's it's definitely something I have to think about in the sense that that's not what I was thinking about at all. These are what I'm imagining these to become are non-narrative essays. So an essay extrapolating... <laughs> and, the way, and the way I picture them is fully narrative essays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I'm imagining this as an extrapolation upon an idea. So like uh, things expanding out from an idea. The mm. intent, what is intent? And then, so uh, think of them more as philosophical treatises. Well, and even I, I as like an article. But, but you see, the thing is that as much as I love discussing the philosophical world, and as much as I enjoy, I, I'm, I'm, uh, and maybe it's just where my brain is right now. I'm very much a pragmatist when it comes to how those philosophical things function in a person's life. So if I can't tangibly change an action because of a philosophical belief, then it's inherently useless to me. Yeah, and see, that's not my purpose. Is my purpose of these is not for me. Mm. Um, I'm actually digging into something that come, came from you, the idea that I'm naturally a teacher. 
Ah, okay. That I can naturally take an idea and expose myself to it, but then expose myself to other people's opinions of it and come to a deeper understanding of it and then be able to teach it. But you see, that's, that's the end goal is then the teaching. Right. But that's, you're looking at that as the arc of my, that's the arc of what it's like for me. That's not, oh, no, no, no I understand, but it's so, that so will not mis- be in the writing. Yeah. So don't misunderstand me. The, the, so, so now at least from a narrator's, or I'm sorry, from a narrative perspective, you understand what you're trying to achieve at the very end of the narrative, which is a way to be able to tell the story of this idea in such a way that, that a person can understand it. Right. Yeah. See, I, I, I understand what you're saying now. Um, I, think that, I think that with, with story, when you said story, I automatically went to m- magazine article. Oh, no. no which no, no, magazine no. article is always like written in story structure where it's like, well, I went to meet this guy. And this guy told me, you know, like the, Malcolm Gladwell writes like that. It's great. It's, sure. not, the, it's not what I want to do. Sure. Um, that's so that when you said that word, that's why clarification was really good there. Because yeah. when you said that word, it's more expensive because Amazon sells books for less than cost sure. to put other people out of business. Yeah. It's more expensive because you have to pay for shipping. And if you have an Amazon Prime, you forget that you're paying for shipping because yeah. you're paying, you know, $10 a month. You think it's for your video, but you're really paying for your shipping. So it's, I had, I told a friend earlier, I said, he, he asked me, like, what is that site? And I sent it to him because he wanted to buy a book for his wife. And he's like, whoa, it's like, it'll be end up being like $15 more. And I said, yeah. Well, he, by the way, he was buying like a $40 book. That's why. Okay. But uh, it was a hardbound book. You know, it's not a paperback. Yeah. But even still, you go to buy a 17, you go to buy a book on a paperback on Amazon, it's going to be 15. You go to this site, it'll be 20 or 22. And then you pay $3 in shipping. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot more, but you have, but the thing about it is this is what I said to him and I totally understand. He's like, I'm buying a present for my wife with my stepdaughter's money. So, uh, you know, like, okay. so and she's a teenager. So it's like, yeah, of course you want to choose, choose the price. It's a short and cheaper price. I totally get that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But in other cases, when that's not the case and it's your own money and you're an adult, I could eat, I can eat so many of those. If you left a box of those in front of me, I could literally eat them till they're gone. Hey, world out there, is there a peanut butter cup that's good, that's delicious, that's made with stevia instead of sugar? Please let us know because I would like to go and shove them in my mouth because I do, I'm trying to cut back on the sugar. So, <laughs> but I love them. Uh, amazing. You and, you and I, our food obsessions are very similar. It's yeah. very good that we don't eat together very often. Yeah, we would just literally eat chocolate and pot stickers all the time. Mm-hmm. You know that's where I, I went. To I can it. eat. I, I literally can eat, I, and I'm sure you're the same way. If you stuck thirty pot stickers in front of me, if you gave me enough time, I could eat them all. Oh yeah, I'd do it until like one was coming out of the other end, and I keep pushing it in. <laughs> <laughs> I become like a, you know those you know the Play-Doh factory where you had that lever thing. Oh, oh <laughs> no! Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> pot sticker. I totally get it. I pot sticker out. Pot or the other way around. <laughs> Vacancy for one? <laughs> oh, man. That's horrifying. Um, but I definitely feel like at some point... And I don't know how we haven't done that yet. Just go and get some pot stickers. We got to go do that. What we should do is go get pot stickers and then go to a baseball game. Oh, that's a good idea. Or if we go to a Giants game, we can go to Chinatown and get some of the best, best pot stickers in the world. I know a place. 
That's all. It's all they make, Chad. They don't do anything else. All they do is make pot stickers, and there's like a line down the street. Do they have apartments above? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. They all do. I need is a little cart to push myself around on after the first week. Perfect. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are obviously veering off into random places. So our topic is done. That was a good one. That was, that was a very good one. Yeah, I liked that. I, it's because it's something that I've thought about before, but I've never vocalized that way. And only because it took me so long to get to it. And I, the idea has slowly been evolving into what it is now, which is the, the final realization um, as to how to do these things without making them become chores. So that's a really, that's a really fine line. You can work, you can get right up to that line and enjoy something and then just step over it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, like a, like a Geiger counter. <laughs> it's like the little arrow is just kind of shaking. And like, mm-hmm. is it over the line? Is it not over the line? I can't tell. Oh, keeps so moving. That just keeps moving. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say out loud to everybody listening. I'm really enjoying these, more focused episodes. I think they're more satisfying. Mm-hmm. You guys are too. So if you would like to support uh, me on the working on these shows, please go over to patreon.com forward slash holy fool productions where you get some bonus content. Lots of bonus content. I'm almost up to, I think, a hundred, almost at a thousand. Huh. <laughs> almost, up, almost up to a hundred posts. And uh, you'll get bonus with the guests, bonus time with the guests. The David Knight. important part is mm-hmm. people spend so much of their lives closing doors. Yeah, don't want to sure. look at that. Don't believe that. Don't want to hear that. Well, just turn off that channel. Easy. Mute that mm-hmm. person. You know, like we have to open. Our yeah, but, que- but but questioning stuff is hard, Chad. That's why people do it. That's why people become apathetic and complacent. It's because right. they they don't want to make. They don't want to have to redefine the the reality they live in, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale. You know, they'd rather, like, for example, this is a brutal example, but it's still an example, which is if you've been racist your whole life, why would you change now? It would require you to completely change your framework about the world. And as much as that might be the right thing to do, it might take the next 10 years of your life or you may never get there. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing that people seem to think that, uh, let's not go down the rabbit hole, but... Oh, I'll make one comment on that so that we don't go down a whole different rabbit hole. But people seem to assume that racism requires a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. It's not a type of person. Yeah, sure. It's a way of thinking. Oh man, it's not to get you down on a rabbit hole, but please, when you take when you get a chance, um, start looking at some of the analysis stuff on uh, war, the war on drugs. Oh yeah, that's a fun rabbit hole. You know. Um, before we hit the stop button real quick, I did want to say one thing on the record that even if no one listens, mm-hmm. I'm getting so much value out of this, not only from the conversations, like to think about this stuff, but to, I'm, I have yet to do it, but I know I'm going to do it this week to mm-hmm. sit down and use my note taking technique to actually dissect the things that come out of these conversations so uh, that they're in my notes because there are things coming out of this that are expanding ideas far beyond where I have them when I bring them in, right? Sure. So now, like this one, right? I had four points. There is so much that came out of this. So my cloud is expanding with every one of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes sense. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you.